Around Sports. Call or text at 916-339-1140. Live Nation has teamed up with Sacktown Sports for your chance to see Daniel Tosh at Hard Rock Live April 12th. All you have to do is hit up the Fulton Lake Honda Hotline at 1 p.m. We will give you the number call you need to be at 1 p.m. for your chance to win tickets to see Daniel Tosh. Visit SacktownSports.com for more information. We are joined by Chris Biederman, Sacramento Bee, and the Candlestick Chronicles. Chris Biederman, thank you for joining us. How was it watching the Super Bowl in Oklahoma City? Uh, yeah, it was it was cold and snowing, um, but I had a watched it in my hotel room was was hunkered down by myself. Text messages, group chats, everything going. So wasn't wasn't as lonely as it might have seemed uh, watching it by myself in a hotel room, but right. um, definitely memorable. Does it feel like something? And it's just a different way of asking: Did someone win or did somebody lose? But did it feel like something went wrong for the Niners, or they just never took advantage of something, things going wrong for the Chiefs? Yeah, you, you just have to mask, maximize every opportunity you have when you're going against Patrick Mahomes in a Super Bowl, right? I think he's he's going to go down as one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen, and but that doesn't mean he was unbeatable. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers beat him a, a few weeks ago, or a few years ago, excuse me, but... Um, yeah, like, you know, you can't you can't have Ray Ray McLeod not falling on a punt um, and, and trying to scoop it instead of just recovering that. Um, and obviously that led to a touchdown. You can't be missing extra points. You know, that's that's basically eight points right there in a game that goes to overtime. And mm-hmm. and, you know, that so there's that. And then there's, you know, Kyle Shanahan getting his his lunch eaten largely by Steve Spagnuolo on, on third downs. I thought Brock Purdy played pretty well overall and, and a lot of the 49ers inability to get first downs or score touchdowns in, in key moments um, was mostly about play calling and was about schematic advantages that the chiefs had, whether that be, um, you know, confusing the 49ers, taking advantage of some weaknesses along the offensive line, overloading them with, with blitzes. Um, it just felt like the chiefs had a better game plan on that side of the ball. Um, and so that to me is, you know, it's not so much that Purdy wasn't, I thought Purdy overall was was pretty good, um, and he and he made some nice plays. But in those key moments, it felt like the Chiefs had a schematic advantage, and I'm sure that's something that Kyle Shanahan's going to take a hard look at throughout this offseason. But no, I mean, you know, there, there's always conversation like, who do you blame? Um, I blame Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and and Steve Spagnola, honestly. Like they were just better than the 49ers. And you know, if you're of the mind that you want to cut players or fire coaches, I would tell you that you're not going to find any alternatives that are that are going to put you in a better spot to try beating Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and Steve Spagnuolo. So it's just one of those things. Those guys are better. You tip your hat to them and, and you know, they're going to go down as some of the best to ever do it. Chris, uh, is there any moment, um, I guess, that that kind of sticks or it doesn't even have to be a moment, but just anything in general from that game that that sticks with you that you just feel like I guess can't get over isn't the right word, but is just is is really sticking out to you about why the game ended up going the way it did. I was really surprised that they weren't able to get George Kittle involved mm. and they weren't really able to get Debo Samuel involved. Three catches on 11 targets for, for a guy of his caliber um, is, you know, that's, that's why you lose a game like that. And uh, just, you know, the 49ers came in, you thought, you know, you assumed Christian McCaffrey was going to have a big game because we know the chiefs defense hasn't been great against the run. 
Um, but you know, Christian McCaffrey went off and, and Juwan Jennings went off and, and that was really it. You, you, you know, whether it was George Kittle having to be involved in pass protection, maybe more than you would have liked to compensate for some of the issues you had along the offensive line and, and the pass rush that, that the chiefs were able to generate, or whether it's, you know, Debo Samuel just not being as good against man coverage as you need him to be, or just not having the opportunities to, to get Brandon Ayuk the ball more often. Um, that to me, I, I think was, was sort of the most, uh, I would say surprising, I guess, because we've seen the 49ers be able to get the ball to their playmakers really at any given moment throughout the regular season. Um, and that just wasn't the case, obviously Sunday in the Super Bowl, And then again, the mistakes you, you, you fumble a punt. Um, I don't blame Daryl Luter for, for the ball, just sort of randomly falling off his foot, but Ray Ray McLeod just has to fall on that. He had an opportunity to fall on it. Um, and obviously that goes for, for a touchdown in a game that goes to overtime. Obviously every point matters there. So to me, those, those were the things that, that I'll think about going forward after, after watching that game Sunday. Talking to Chris Biederman, Candlestick Chronicles in Sacramento B. Chris, I'm sure you saw everything. We're only, we're barely 48 hours out of the, out of the season ending and Brandon Ayuk's significant other and his brother had some things to say and Brandon Ayuk had some things to say as well he's under contract we dealt with this a couple years ago with Debo is there anything Brandon Ayuk is slated to make 14 million which is a lot more than he's made these last couple years here is there anything to be worried about if you're a Niners fan I mean what we just watched this with Debo and Debo was looking to get a contract what do you think is going to happen here? It looks like Ayuk and his camp are upset about the targets, which is a surprise, surprise with the wide receiver being upset they didn't get the ball <laughs> enough. Is there anything Niner fans should be worried about here? Um, you know, knowing Brandon, the the little that I do, I, I think it's probably stemming from frustration of just how the Super Bowl went, right? And the 49ers, the 40, I know the 49ers love Brandon Ayuk. And I think if you were to ask a, a lot of important people in that building to a man, you know, who's the best pure wide receiver in that group? It is Brandon Ayuk. And, and that's not to take anything away from Debo Samuel, who is clearly one of the best players in the league with the ball in his hands. But in terms of an ability to beat man-to-man -man coverage, an ability to run basically every single route, the ability to be one of the most explosive downfield threats in the NFL, um, I would give the nod to, to Brandon Ayuk in those specific categories, not to say that Debo Samuel's not an elite player, because clearly he is. But it's just when it comes to those pure receiving fundamentals, Brandon Ayuk is that guy. Um, so I, I'm curious to see if the 49ers are willing to cash out both Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel at the same time in the sense that, you know, they, they can probably afford to do it in in 2024 because they still have Brock Purdy on his rookie contract and he's not eligible to sign that new 40 50 million dollar a year contract whatever that's going to be until after the coming season um at which point the 49ers might have to decide between their receivers but in terms of right now I would imagine the getting Brandon Ayuk a new contract is going to be a top priority for them and in doing so that actually shrinks his cap number for 2024, essentially, right? You remember right. just about every single big contract the 49ers have signed. Um, the first year of those deals have, have led to a, a pretty small cap hit um, relative to, you know, what the annual averages are. So Brandon Ayuk's making $14 million a year. If he signs a deal, say, in the $25 million a year range, I would imagine that first, you know, the 2024 cap hit probably goes down from 14 to something like five or six. Um, and we saw that with Debo Samuel in, in his first year of his deal in 2022 also. 
Um, so no, I wouldn't read like too much into any displeasure. I think Brandon Ayuk is, um, he knows how good of a coach Kyle Shanahan is for him. Uh, I know he loves Brock Purdy. I know he loved the way he was being used throughout the season. I think Brandon Ayuk's effort and in terms of the way he blocks for his teammates sort of speaks volumes and that he's not so much of a me first guy. Right. So I think this is, um, whatever bad feelings there might be right now are probably just stemming from, you know, losing the Super Bowl and not being as good offensively as you as you wanted to be. Um, and I imagine the the money will talk and, and Brandon Ayuk will will eventually be happy. Chris, everything you just said is great. It's lovely. Um, but I watched the game on Sunday and <laughs> the the best receiver for the 49ers. I don't know what you're talking about is MVP Juwan Jennings. OK, what does the future <laughs> hold for uh, for Juwan and, and the Niners? Uh, or well, is there I think he's a, yeah, I think he's a free agent, and I think there's going to be another team out there that's that's right. going to be willing to to pay him more than the 49ers will be. And and look, it's kind of the Kendrick Bourne blueprint, right? Mm. Like Kendrick Bourne was was really valuable to the 49ers in their 2019 Super Bowl run, and then he went up, he wound up getting a a bigger contract than the 49ers were willing to pay, um, and then that led to the 49ers finding Juwan Jennings, right. and so. I would imagine, given that the 49ers have, you know, they have two third-round picks, two fourth-round picks, and two fifth-round picks in this year's draft, that that's going to be their avenue towards addressing the receiving core. And, you know, who knows if Danny Gray is, is going to um, evolve into something useful going forward. Um, but I would imagine that, you know, that's, that's part of the thing, right? Like, right. when you have a really good team with a lot of high-priced players, you're just going to lose some guys on the margins. And Juwan Jennings was super valuable to the 49ers, obviously, throughout his time with San Francisco and, and obviously in the Super Bowl, super, super valuable player. Um, but I think if you're the 49ers, you got to prioritize signing Brandon Ayuk and hope you can, you know, draft another guy or find another undrafted free agent who ends up being as productive as, you know, your Kendrick Bournes, your Juwan Jennings. So that's where I think this is headed ultimately. Talking to Chris Biederman, Candlestick Chronicles and Sacramento B. Chris, I was going to go with the Kings question, but we got time to talk Kings. <laughs> I, I just want to finish out our our convo here with a question about George Kittle. What was mm. your thought process on George Kittle and the lack of action he saw offensively besides blocking and the lack of receptions and just attention that he got from the from I guess the the offensive team and and Brock Purdy was he blocking too much? What the heck happened? He said he was coming back with a vengeance, and that vengeance was about four yards. What happened? He, yeah, I mean, he did make one of the biggest catches of the game to that point when he converted that fourth down. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't a George Kittle game. It was, you know, the Chiefs have a really good secondary and, and had a really good plan, obviously, for all the 49ers playmakers. And Kyle Shanahan decided that George Kittle was needed in pass protection a lot, which is – you know, it's it, 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 that cuts both ways, right? Like George Kittle is an immensely valuable player because of his ability to block both in the running game, obviously, and the passing game. But he's also an elite target as a as a receiving tight end, and you can only do one thing on any given mm -hmm. play, right? Like he's not gonna he can't do pass protection and catch balls at the same time. So it's a delicate balance to strike, and I'm not gonna pretend like I I'm better at Kyle Shanahan or better than Kyle Shanahan at striking that balance, but. I think it was just one of those games where, you know, the pass protection issues were to the point where Kyle Shanahan thought he needed George Kittle in those scenarios. And and when um, when Brock Purdy was going back to pass, he didn't have a whole lot of time to survey all of his options. And I'm sure there were more opportunities that 
that they would have liked to give George Kittle, but but ultimately they just weren't there in that moment. And I'm sure if you were to give Kyle Shanahan a a, a blueberry Red Bull vodka, uh, that he would say that, you know, I probably wish we gave George Kittle the ball in, in more key moments. Um, so it's it's just one of those things. And on top of that, he left the game late, obviously went to the locker room mm-hmm. in overtime with a shoulder injury. He's needed surgery on that shoulder pretty much his entire career and has told me that, you know, he's he's not going to address that shoulder issue until he retires. Now, you know, that was the first thing I thought of when I saw it was a right shoulder. And you guys know he's been wearing that brace for for years now on his right shoulder. I wonder if maybe there's a possibility that he just decides, hey, I can't I don't want to play with pain anymore. He's he's played with pain throughout his whole career. He's not a guy who's who's ever willing to admit it. Um, but that shoulder has been an issue throughout his whole career. And I wonder if, you know, if it's, I think if it's a torn labrum, I, I don't want to say for, uh, w- with any certainty on what exactly the injury is, but I just know he's needed surgery on it for years now. And I wonder if that contributed to, because it did look like, um, you know, he was in pain, uh, at, at times throughout that game, obviously going to the locker room. So I wonder if that contributed too, and if George Kittle will ultimately decide, Hey, maybe I should, maybe I should spend an off season getting this shoulder taken care of. So it's less painful going forward. Chris Biederman, thank you so much for a great season, man. We will talk to you soon, and hopefully the Niners will finally get to the mountaintop. I appreciate you guys for having me. It's been fun, and I look forward to seeing you guys at the next Kings game. Yes. All right, he got to get to a break. When we get back, starting our Kings talk, Kyle Kuzma. Chris and I spent how many hours talking about him? Too many. Turns out it was never going to be a thing. Styles and Watkins, Sacktown Sports. Local. Live and local. This is Sacktown Sports. Thank you again to Chris Biederman, Sacramento Beat, Candlestick Chronicles, for a great season. Yes. Didn't end the way we would have liked, but a great season. Talking Niners and also a little bit of Kings. 1 p.m. Live Nation It teamed up with Sacktown Sports for your chance to see Daniel Tosh at Hard Rock Live April 12th. Hit up the Folsom Lake Honda hotline at 1 p.m. All guests and callers join us from the Folsom Lake Honda hotline. Folsom Lake Honda, your one-stop Honda shop. And Chris, there is information out there now from our friend Sam Amick and Kyle Kuzma. It was just never a thing? It was all a dream. Yeah. Yeah. Bad uh, dream. Yeah, it was, it was not great. Yeah, yesterday... Uh, well, we'll just we'll just run it down here. Uh, Sam Amick was on the uh, NBA Athletic, the Athletics NBA show podcast, uh, and was essentially talking about um, from from what he's gathered from uh, now that we're a week, uh, oh, just a little under a week after the uh, NBA trade deadline. He's kind of got all of his sources in line and everything, and was finally willing to uh, was was willing to tell us what what was going on. Uh, with the Kings, and uh, it's it's just really interesting. Here here's what he had to say uh, about how the Kings actually, like you know, there was a lot of talk, but here's how things were actually going down uh, in the Kings' war room on on trade deadline, or around the trade deadline, I should say. Yeah, let's hear from Sam Amick. The, the Kings were another team that disappointed some fans with their lack of moves. They have dropped into the play-in range, and have the second most difficult remaining schedule according to Tankathon. How active was Sacramento at the deadline? I mean, they were active, but the type of activity 
that I didn't really get clarity on until trade deadline day, admittedly, was it, it was all around the edges. And I'm talking like really far around the edge. But by the end, the 11th hour, it became based on the market, based on what they saw available. We're good with our top seven. Like you're going all the way to seven and wow. acting as if, you know, you didn't want to touch that. So everything was around the edges. You know, what I tried to write in the column and crystallize for people was that the impact players that they flirted with, you know, those things happened well in advance of the deadline. Hmm. So there you go. That's uh, Sam pretty much saying that. By the was right. Uh, yes, that is. I, I did hear that <laughs> a little bit in there. I think he said it underneath his breath. Uh, but yeah, he, he essentially says Alan was right. There was no <laughs> real smoke behind any of, of uh, the Kings trade rumors. And specifically with the Kyle Kuzma thing, yeah, that especially around deadline time, that that just wasn't going to happen. Here's what Sam had to say. You know, the Kyle Kuzma chatter that had been out there, um, you know, again, I didn't really get this crystallized till yesterday, but they had been out on him for a while. Can't exactly say why, but they they just weren't going down that road. So um, the other guys, you know, Royce O'Neal would have really, really helped them. Um, yeah, that was the one that kind of stuck out to me. Yeah, and I at first I was going to say, uh, you know, as I was doing the story, like, all right, based on price tag, you could argue that they should have done what they had to do to get him. But it was a pretty big price tag. Once you figure everything in the three-team trade with Memphis, Phoenix, and Brooklyn, um, you know, for one, the three-team component creates an element where, again, you don't really know what the talks look like. But if you're the Kings, like, you obviously, there was a party going on over here that you couldn't get in on, if that makes sense. Mm, interesting so there's a lot there but uh i think let let's start with the with the seven guys allegedly i mean sam didn't say untouchable but from the sound of that conversation yeah. it's it's hey we're not going to move on from these seven guys right. unless it's something that makes just way too much sense for us and i guess the first order of business is establishing who those seven guys are that we think that sure. we're talking about I mean, Fox and Sabonis, clearly. Keegan, definitely. Malik, absolutely. So I guess Harrison Barnes was was never thrown out there. I guess Kevin Herter was never thrown out there. I guess Trey Lyles was was never thrown out there, and that puts us at seven. Um, so, so maybe they didn't want to make a deal. I guess that's saying that they were shopping Davion Mitchell, um, you know, probably Davion and Duarte, maybe seeing if anyone had any JaVale or Alex Len interest. I mean, that's that's really it. And I mean, if you're talking about shipping off those guys, you can understand why, you know, the most recent Kings rumors before the deadline were guys like DeLon Wright, who might be, you know, just a second round pick, if even at that. Um, you know, I think Caleb Martin's name got thrown in there uh, at the last minute by Sam, actually. So, you know, it's it's just interesting to hear that apparently by the time the Kings were at the deadline, it it sounds like. They already knew they they weren't gonna get anything done. So uh definitely thought that was that was an interesting first note there. From Tim Maxwell, the King's Herald. <sighs> oh, man. With the Mavericks' fifth consecutive win last night, Dallas has entered into a virtual tie with Sacramento for the seventh, eighth seed in the West. If yep. the Kings lose to the Suns tonight, They'll drop one and a half games out of a playoff spot and fall to sole ownership of eighth in the West. Yeah, I mean they're 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 they've been in this group for for a while now. It's uh it's 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 uh it's concerning for sure. But you know they 
The other team's got some problems, too. You know, I know Dallas made a, a ton of moves at the deadline, and P.J. and, and Daniel Gafford have, have looked good so far. But, um, you know, I, I think the Kings can be good enough to to go all the way up to that five seed. But, yeah, for sure, there's there's a chance with their uh, really tough schedule remaining for the rest of this season that, yeah, for sure, they can they can definitely slip into that playing tournament. But How many teams are you taking – Okay, out of the Pelicans, Suns, and the Mavs. Pelicans, Suns, Mavs, Lakers, Warriors. How many out of those one, two, three, four, five, five teams, how many teams are you taking the Kings seven over? Uh, their seven best players or in yeah. a seven-game series? So are series? you taking the – no. Are you taking the Kings – Seven in that rotation, just uh, the roster. Yeah, or the set. There's seven untouchables. Yeah. Are you taking that seven over the Pelicans seven? Are you taking that seven over the Sun seven? Are you taking that seven over the Mavericks seven? Are you taking that seven over the Lakers seven? Are you taking that seven over yeah. the Warriors seven? Um, I think the Pelicans give me pause. Um, Phoenix. I mean, they have a top three. Besides that, I think the Kings rest of their roster is a lot better. I mean, the Kings have killed Phoenix this year. Every time they've played them, they just blew the lead last time. Dallas doesn't really concern me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, Lakers, I mean, they have a good top two, but mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of the rest of those guys. Golden State, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess really just New Orleans is the only seven that I would probably take over Sacramento's. You know I'm always scared of the Suns. I mean, they're going to be good for yeah. sure. Their top three is 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 really good, and they're they're starting to figure it out. But also, I I don't trust a lot of these teams' health. Like the, the New Orleans Pelicans have been eerily healthy this year. The Suns extremely are fair. being eerily healthy with guys like Kevin Durant, who has a checkered history, especially recently of injury, and Bradley Beal, who barely plays over fifty five games uh, anymore, and. You know, I, I think Dallas is leaning a lot on Luka still. I don't think the Luka Kyrie thing is a seamless, uh, as seamless fit as what they were hoping. You know, L.A. is starting to play wet, better, but a lot of that is D'Angelo Russell's hitting his shots. What's going to happen when D'Angelo stops hitting his shots? He ain't going to stop. And Golden State, like, they're playing their best basketball of the year right now, mm. but I, I – just really doubt that they're going to be healthy by the end of the year, and they're probably also going to be exhausted with uh, the amount of work. I still think that Utah is a team. I, I could see them leapfrogging either the Lakers or the Warriors. I could really? see both of those teams, uh, or one of those teams, definitely not making the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. I just it's just scary hours, man. I'm just not feeling great. It's crazy how th- thirty and twenty two feels like a really good record. Yeah, no, it is, and it's just. It, Maybe it's just a – and we, we normally do this, so just just for fun, I mean, I just think teams are just kind of rolling this year. You're, you're still a six seed yep. in the East, so it's not one of those, well, they'd be a three seed. It's not like that this season. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, this is via Tankathon who does it, who does their strength of schedule. Uh, yeah, that's what they mentioned on the – Fifth. Kings are fifth right now it's in the NBA problem. in terms of remaining schedule uh, strength of schedule. Their opponents uh, are a 5.23 win percentage, and they have 30 games on the dot left. Uh, they have two more games against Denver, two more games against the Clippers. They have one more against uh, Boston, Minnesota, OKC, and uh, one more against uh, Milwaukee. In their easy games that they have 
uh, remaining. They have two more games against the Spurs. They have one more against Washington, one more against Portland, uh, one against Memphis, one against Brooklyn, and one against Toronto. So those are their easier games. Uh, easier. Remaining on the schedule. That doesn't mean they are no. auto wins. But also, I'm looking here, Phoenix has the toughest in the NBA. They have a 550 uh, strength of schedule. Uh, 550 win percentage left on their strength of schedule. Clippers have 518. Like there's there's you know Golden State is towards the bottom. Uh, they have a 476 win percentage remaining, but um you know there's there's a lot of teams specifically in the West that are uh, a part of the the top 15 of of that strength of schedule list because a lot of the West is going to beat each other up too, especially down the stretch. All right, got to get to a break when we get back more Kings talk. Styles and Watkins Sackdown Sports. Sacktown Sports and subscribe. We are an hour and a half away from the Daniel Tosh ticket giveaway. We'll have we'll have Nate select. We'll have Nate select the number caller when it's time. Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate there you it. Go. Yeah. That, I yeah, I hope that helps. Oh my God, it does. There you go. This music makes me sound like, or makes me feel like we're watching like an MTV early two yeah. thousand spring break or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. it. Uh, well, the yeah. first time I heard it, I don't know if you guys ever played uh, Dave Mears BMX for the PS two. I do. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Dave Mears two. This is the first place I heard this song. So. Dave Mears. <laughs> it's funny. I think like I hate doing like the generational talk, but I think a lot of people in uh, you know this kind of era we're in are shaped from music from video games like gta san andreas i think has some uh mad effect on my taste and my my intro of when i did uh chris and co was was uh they reminisce because Mm -hmm. that's the intro to street volume Mm two oh my god what a great game the best the gamecube version too i think you could play as mario and Luigi, really? yeah, I think you yeah. could That's even incredible. keep going to Guitar Hero. I mean, I oh, heard so oh many my songs God. Yeah. that I never heard before Same. because of Guitar Hero. <laughs> yeah. Barracuda, shout out Barracuda yeah. with all the, the greens. You know? Yep. Dude, so easy. I feel like I could do it. Yeah. What were you guys uh, playing at in Guitar Hero? I can never do the pinky, man. Uh, yeah, I never got past. Yeah. Once you got to slide down, it was, was it was a problem for yeah. you. Nasty. I could hit like I was one or nasty. two songs. I could see. I got to expert on on a decent amount of songs. Yeah. Were you a rock bander at all? Uh, I couldn't do the drums. I have no rhythm. Dude, so hard. I have no rhythm, especially yeah. with the foot. Yeah. It oh was a whole God. other game, yeah, because you I would have guitar. to hit the foot pedal, and it was just like, was, oh, so you actually do have to have rhythm. Yeah, when you were young was my banger. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah, by the Killers. You? Oh, right? yeah. That's... I saw them live in high school with my parents. I want to now. You're yeah. like, this is the Guitar Hero song. Yeah, yeah, yeah and someone's oh, like, whoa, God. grow up. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, can I follow up? You got Dave asked you a question. I've been kind of all over the place back here today at the uh, in the crosstalk about what King would fit in yes. to this roster today. Did you guys give an answer for that? Because I was no. I'm, I'm kind of thinking about that a little bit. Not to derail this whole segment. No, it's fine. I was just thinking like Blotty. Blotty? Okay. I was thinking I think the uh generic answer might be Peja. 
just to see Peja in this league today yeah. would be insane because he was ahead of his time yes. for sure. And then I was really thinking Mitch at the two, mm. really thinking Mitch Richmond at the two. But Dave, I mentioned in the in the break or after a show, he's like, "You have no defense." Then, I'm like, well, you know, you got a pretty elite don't. offense. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know. I just how can I'm it curious. not be Chris Weber though? Is it just because I think it's him and Sabonis are a bit redundant? Yeah. Um, I would probably go. I think Dave said Meta uh, or Ron Artest. Yeah. Or the artist formerly known as Ron Artest. <laughs> I brought um, up uh, him playing with the Kings last year, or it, maybe this year in yeah. the Warriors series. Yeah. How critical he would have been. And Dave yeah, briefly would've. mentioned, like, oh my God, if Sabonis stomped on his chest and you had or got his, yeah. Ron Artest on your team to defend him, it would have been a different story. It sure would have. Um, yeah. I think, I think Ron's a good shout. Um, Hito would be okay. Um, Hito's, Hito, I mean, as a bench guy. Yeah, the defense not, would be yeah. tough. Uh, don't sleep on Hito. Hito had some Thank good heat. Yeah. The, the magic Hito. Thank you. You're not, maybe not Kings. He, he was more of a just pure shooter with the Kings, but he had some real point forward skills uh, with the magic. I, I My answer was Doug. I think Doug and yeah. Peja. I'm, I just feel like if you put Doug – you could probably play him at the three with this team. Mm-hmm. Just the defense that he would bring, the intensity, um, and just like the ultimate role player in the in the best way possible. Like Doug would know exactly what he's out there to do, and he wouldn't try and do anything extra. He would just defend at the highest level. He would hit open threes if he's presented them, and he could have the ball in his hands a bit. But I I do think Peja is probably. The, uh, the stock answer, just because if you could add a 25 to 30 point per game shooter on this oh team, like God. that's that's ridiculous. And just letting him go. What just, about like, just, white chocolate, though? No. No. You Have don't you know he was actually stats, not very good. His stats are terrible. Or oh, Mike Bibby, then. We need a we don't need point another point guard. Backup. Back yeah, but <laughs> overqualified. Way well, overqualified. Well, that's not the question. We have holes in yeah. the starting lineup that yeah. we can fix. We don't need a backup. Point. Like, that's too big of a waste. Like, I <laughs> think I'd rather have Weber. The question was for net wins, not necessarily for style of play or fun. It would be for net victories. Who is turning this team into the best winner? If it's a bench situation, and this was not a bench guy, but uh, Brad Miller off the bench with would this be roster would be, be incredible. insane. Incredible. That's answers the defense. Bobby Jackson. I mean that's Malik Monk. Yeah. That's that's redundancy again. The same Chris Weber thing. Yeah, uh, well, why are we talking about Boogie? Okay. You, can, you can bring up Boogie. Absolutely. It's just it's yeah. I don't. You're gonna have to probably bench the bonus. I'm not, not bench the bonus, but like you got to pick. Why aren't one. we bringing up Oscar Robinson? It doesn't count. We we a lot of times I don't <laughs> think we count him. Rochester and yeah, because you know, he's 85. I'm just yeah. saying 85 and yeah. present is kind of where we go with the Kings. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, this is a good little uh, not to you know, Alan just kind of go in on these guys and kind of see what it's about. I think that that o one o two team having a knowledge of them being yeah. in Sacramento is like super critical. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I I I do feel like the the person would have to be from those teams. Just yeah. I, I, if you didn't pick from them, I mean, you got <laughs> you got Tyreek Evans, his Francisco rookie year. Francisco Garcia, yeah, Boogie, Kmart, Kmart, Off, but no one. But I mean, like Demarcus with Sabonis isn't 
the most seamless fit. Demarcus does is not a doesn't make your team doesn't add wins. Just say what yeah. you want to say, Nate. It sounds like you don't like Demarcus. I don't. I'll people, be honest. I'm not a Demarcus like fan. DeMarcus. I wasn't a fan of his game when he was here. Uh, I had a better deal two days ago with him. <laughs> um, Shout out. That's good throwback. Just not a big fan. Yeah. From the nine one six, Doug Christie at the two would be low key amazing. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. think Chris is, three, Chris yeah. just described what he was on that Kings team. Exactly. Like, and I yeah. think I mean Doug. Doug was down for it. Yep. Doug was down, and he. And I, I mean, he's on the coaching staff, yeah. probably because they say we could use a guy like Doug Christie trying to implement Doug Christie esque things onto this roster. Exactly. All right, got to get to a break. When we get back, what is wrong with De'Aaron Fox? And are the Kings in trouble? Styles and Watkins, Sackdown Sports. Sports. Call or text at 916-339-1140. 916, uh-oh. I don't know how no one saw this coming. Asking the past kings who would help this team the most. I don't know how we got through a 12-minute segment. Without even thinking, somebody would bring up Tyrese Halliburton. Because it's the wrong answer. <laughs> it's the wrong answer. <laughs> because I, I just I don't think Tyrese Halliburton. We already saw that. I don't know. I just I don't. It's not the right answer. I mean, if we're talking Chris, every you sound single, upset. you sound upset. No, I'm I'm chilling. I just I think that that's not that Tyrese isn't. I don't think helping this team. Uh, win more games like not the most amount of wins I I definitely don't think so I mean we already saw that it was clunky between the two and Mm -hmm. what about how Tyrese is playing now makes you feel like that fit would be any better well now that De'Aaron wants to be a spot-up shooter okay (laughs) (laughs) I mean I I just I yeah I I think Tyrese if anything is better off the ball I would much rather have Tyrese off Off the the ball I mean, he's a better shooter. He's like a 40% three-point shooter. How is he going to get 17 assists a game? Well, that's why I think that it wouldn't be a good fit. That's exactly why I think it wouldn't be a good fit, because his style of play doesn't fit with what they, they're trying to do. Not as an additive piece. Of course, if you take De'Aaron out and put Tyrese in, sure, you can you can make that work and it would look different. But if we're talking about just dropping somebody onto the roster – Tyrese isn't a seamless fit. Does it really feel like De'Aaron needs the ball, though? When I think of need the ball and I watch De'Aaron play, it doesn't feel like he needs the ball. I mean, he doesn't, like, have a crazy – but, like, I mean, yeah, he, he's got a he's, – he's, he's like an isolation scorer. So he's, he's got to kind of break his guy down and get to the rim. He's not really – your traditional pound the ball for 30 seconds. That, but, yeah, that's but what that's I'm saying. But that's because Sabonis yeah. has the ball in his hand so much. So yeah. it's – it's De'Aaron still needs the ball in order to attack. He's not spotting up, and he's not really a cutter. So mm-hmm. if he's gonna if he's gonna get his, he definitely needs to put the ball on the deck. From Jess Escoto, sack chat. Stop it, Styles. I didn't say that. That's the nine one six. I didn't bring up Tyrese. You know somebody was you going to. You read it. I did read it because I wanted to read it because I I, I just like stuff like that. Okay. 
Okay, I want to. I want to <laughs> see it all burn. All right, and they say my answer is Tyrese Halliburton. Ouch! Just a period of ouch. Yeah. You hurt yourself there. Yeah, Texter. Yeah, why would you do that? See now, now Chris is upset now. I'm not upset. <laughs> like I, I have nothing to be upset about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I just I think that Tyrese is a a, a fine player. He, he's great. I just don't think. Uh, that you you can just drop him on this team and and have it make sense, especially not with if we're taking every king ever. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a lot of other kings that just that fit that role or fit a need that this team has. I do think Meta Meta. I think Dave Dave was the one who said uh, Ron Artest. That I think that's kind of the the low key best answer. Mm-hmm. That's just, just bring an enforcer, a dude who could defend, he can knock down some shots. Definitely bring an edge for sure. I mean, I I, I think that would be uh, might be a little bit too much, but you know, some, some, sometimes you know you got like to step over the line a little bit. I I like Tito. I, I like Tito. I like my Hito pick. Yeah. All right, it's different. No, I like it a lot. It's this specific team, people, not just yes. any team no. ever. As we discuss whether or not the Kings are in trouble. This is from the seven oh seven. Shout out to seven oh seven. Monty not taking a chance is going to cost this team. We are a play-in team and a first-round exit. In Monty, we don't trust. That is from the 707. Okay. As they Sounds are... Sounds like a real Kings fan. You think it's fake? 707? No, I, no I'm Vallejo? just saying, yeah, you really just... I, Yeah, just, you know, in Monty, we don't trust. It's just, okay. Got you. Like what, the dude won GM of the year right. last year just because he didn't make a move at the mm-hmm. at the All-Star break and he or at the trade deadline, didn't trade... Every pick that we have for Kyle Kuzma, like that's in money we don't trust all of a sudden. I don't know about that's wild, but I don't know if it's about money or just the fact that I just don't trust this. Is it that you don't trust the team and money is riding with the team, so you just don't trust money? Because I don't trust this team. Yeah, no, I don't I, trust this team. I definitely don't. That's for sure. Yeah. So how can you trust money and not the team? Because money put this team together. Monty put a, a team that was even decent out there on the floor. But you don't trust the team now. Uh, yeah, that more has to do with the individual. That doesn't have to do with Monty. Like, Monty put together a good team. Yeah, they don't go out there and execute every single night. That's that's not Monty McNair's fault. He put the talent out there. He put a, a more talented roster than this team has had out there in 20-plus years oh, or agreed. 20 years. Like, yeah. what are we talking about? Like, look at Pete Delisandro. Look at all the the mm-hmm. Kings GMs of the like. What, uh, get out of here! Get out of here with in Monty. We don't. I don't. I didn't trust Vladi. That's for sure. But Monty McNair has done. I mean, besides be quiet at the deadline, which, by the way, you know, didn't seem to really affect the team's success last year. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just I don't know what you wouldn't trust about him. I mean, if you want to say specific, also no specifics in there. Like, if you don't trust his drafting. Okay, there's a conversation to be had there. Uh, you just you don't trust the direction in which he's taking the team because, again, Monty's been here for what four or five years and has only improved the the team that he's had. But I do think that I do think that there is a correlation though. If you have a team that is not executing, sure, I don't know how Monty can be innocent of that i'm not saying he's innocent i'm yeah. just saying in money we don't trust is a little extreme sure, sure. that's all i'm saying i'm yeah. just saying like you i think you're you're going a bit overboard and saying i don't trust our gm anymore because mm. 
he didn't make a move at the deadline when looking around, oh, yeah, nobody else did either. Like, I mean, there was no big moves that the P.J. Washington, like Dallas was the most aggressive team at the deadline, mm-hmm. and they sacrificed. I don't think people looked at what Dal- Dallas doesn't have picks in 2027 onward, and Luka Doncic is a free agent in 2026. So they spent pretty much their entire future to go out there and get P.J. Washington and Daniel Gafford. Does that sound smart? Does that sound like something Monty should just ship off three second-round picks to bring in Royce O'Neal? Like, I, I don't know what people wanted him to do. Like, I understand. I was upset that they didn't do anything at the deadline. I'm not saying I was, you know, levitating and like, oh, no, I see the whole picture. I was confused as well, but you you got to take stock at what actually happened at the deadline and understand the risk-reward was not there at all. Now, I'm not saying that means do nothing, absolutely, but is bringing in DeLon Wright going to make you feel any better? It wouldn't have made me feel any better. No, there's probably nothing. And now that Sam Amick came out and said that these seven, it kind of was what it was. Monty didn't want to overpay. A lot of people didn't want to overpay. And that's just what it is. I think that I've always said, the reason, I, the reason I've always said that the Kings weren't going to blow this thing up because you just made the playoffs for the first time in 16 years, all right? And you were, at the time, you were in a playoff position as far as the seeding goes. You don't just blow that up because in hopes of trying to, to accelerate the process. That's just not how it works. You don't know, especially when you don't know really the ceiling of De'Aaron and... Sabonis, they're not a piece away because we don't know what De'Aaron Fox is. Right. Right. You and this can't, isn't a way. It's betting on him. It's saying it, we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure yeah. out. Yeah. And now going into the summer, that's when we'll discuss what we think. If De'Aaron cools off and we see somebody on the text line right here was Fox start to the season <laughs> fool's gold in hindsight. I think we all know that this latest version probably isn't what fox is either so what is he from the 916 yeah i think you kind of answered it it's in the middle 916 yeah. or somewhere in the middle <laughs> yeah. somewhere in the middle and what how how far in the middle is really going to determine what right. they should do right during the summer i i just think there wasn't enough time to to kind of figure out what exactly this team needs you you could have gotten rid of harrison barnes then he goes on a heater and everybody wanted a bunch of first-round picks. And you can't touch Keegan because Keegan's young and you moved on from another young talent. You can't touch Malik because you need Malik on the bench and you're kind of confident that you could re-sign him. You were stuck. You just you just signed Trey Lyles. You know what I mean? Obviously, you have the untouchables with Sabonis and Fox. So you were stuck. You were completely stuck. And when you have people in teams like the Pistons – Okay, trying to trying to grab a Zach Levine at one point. Clearly, nobody knew what the heck they wanted to do. Right. So it wasn't just the Kings. The problem now is, yeah, it's going to look bad if the Kings didn't overpay for something and misses and miss the playoffs or loses in the play-in because it will. It, you would have regrets. It's not what you would look like. You would have regressed. But that's just part of the gig, right? And there are going to be people that have nuanced conversations about it, and there are going to be people that just say, this was stupid. You know what I mean? And it doesn't really matter what side you're on. 
the bottom line is the bottom line. And it's the same conversation. It's not the same because you haven't been to the Super Bowl but or the finals, but it's a similar conversation to Shanahan. You don't know what else is out there. Monty McNair is the one who got you to the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. You really want to move on from that when it took you 16 years to figure it out? You want to move on from that? You want to move on from Kyle Shanahan mm-hmm. when you when when you go to the Super Bowl once every four years and you go to NFC Championship every other year? You want to move on from that? I don't. That's not, honestly. That and what kind little, of GM would want to walk into a place that also, to your point, just brought a team to 16 years, right. broke a 16-year playoff drought, and then fired him a year or two years Because later. what? Because they what what honestly like who is going to walk who, into that and that, feel that, good about their job exactly and and what are we actually talking about here why 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 do you have to get to the second round where are the second round banners hanging up <laughs> right why are you going to blow something up just to try to get to the second round yeah who cares yep who cares yep. when is the last time you going to you going to brag to your friends hey are the warriors bragging no. <laughs> They're crying. Okay, you're going to brag to your friends? Well, we made it to the second round this year. Cool. You'll probably get made fun of. Yep. You'd probably rather say you won the in-season tournament. Yep. We got to the second round and did what? <laughs> probably would. So you're going to blow this whole thing up, Yep. right? Move on. And not just blow. It's not blowing up this exact roster. You're going to lose picks. Yes, yeah, the look, And I don't know how many people pay attention to picks. And I'm not even that high on picks. But you need them for when there is somebody you want. Yes. I don't care about the picks, no. right? I don't care about no. somebody, the, the, the uh, development some kid who's of the in 24th grade right now, but I do care about Bryce, how they shout can. Shout out Bryce James. Shout out Bryce James. If you can get Bryce James, I mean, he's 6'6 right now. He's a big <laughs> no. boy. You get Bryce James, 6'6, about 16 years old. Shout out Baby Gronk. Yeah. Shout out Baby, baby Go get Baby Gronk then. No. Or that dude who plays basement basketball. I don't know if yeah. you've seen that one yeah. too. No, or get, or get, what's his name? The, the country dude. They call it. They, it's a play on LeBron James, LaCorn James, or something like that. Oh, yeah, he's, 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 yeah. he's in a cornfield. Feeds it back to him. The yes. ball. Yeah, yeah. Go get. Go get somebody. Go get that guy. Go yeah. get that guy. He's gonna be raw. You cannot sit here and blow something up just to just to be able to say you got to the second round. They don't hang banners for second round exits. Styles and Watkins, Sacktown Sports.